Hi, welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and today we bring you Skipped founder and CEO Rafat Ali's chat with American Airlines Chief Commercial Officer Vasu Raja at the Skiff Global Forum. I found the discussion very interesting and hope you do too. Enjoy. Please welcome Chief Commercial Officer of American Airlines, Vasu Raja, in discussion with Skift founder and CEO, Rafid Ali. All right, so thank you all for, for staying. Uh, two great interviews, the best interviews of the day are coming now. Which is great because it's the very end of the show. I think I'm all that's keeping these people from we're drinking. We're say whatever comes to our minds. Uh, thing to note, our shoe game is on, on par. It is, it yeah. is. Somewhat. Uh, somebody somebody um, in our company took a photo of the, all the cool outfits at the at Skift, and they did a Insta and a bunch of other stuff as well. So, obviously, our conference is cooler, right? That way. So, uh, well, thank you, Vasu, for being here. Vasu is the chief commercial officer of American Airlines. Indeed. The reason I wanted him on stage is he's become this leading thinker, and also this is happening in 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 your business as well of what we call a great merging, the stuff that I've talked in the morning, the, the, the essay that I wrote, which is how we live, work, and travel have merged into each other. And American Airlines, the data that you have been talking about on the earnings calls, I think over the last two or three earnings calls, sure. is actually bearing that out. Oh, most definitely, and, and continues to bear it out. And, uh, and, and when I wrote the essay, I took your last, I think it was Q1 maybe, earnings call, where yeah. you talked at length about what used to be the blended trip, X percent now has gone on. So talk, so, so tell that instead of me telling what it is, tell what the data is today. Well, sure, look, um, what we find is almost half of the revenue at American Airlines now, and it has been the case for, um, let's call it most of the last several months, nine months, almost three quarters, um, and we see it out there in the future are actually blended trips, right? Which um, they, people aren't flying for what we would historically have called business or historically leisure. Um, and that's meaningful for us because that, that figure is almost doubled. It's even more meaningful because the, the, the real revenue growth in the airline is powered by that. Um, and, and that's a very significant thing because our airline's flying about 90% of the seat capacity that it did in 2019, but it's producing 110% of the revenue of 2019. Mm -hmm. So really that, that, that increment is really for the most part, driven by these blended trips. So let's unpack that a little bit. So um, 20 to 25 pre-pandemic, so how did you know they're blended and how do you now know they're blended? Well, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, look, and, and one of the, the great beauties of the airline is that we have tons of information of every transaction that comes through, um, but we're also very fortunate because our customers will also, we can survey them and they can corroborate the data. So through the data, we can see things like, for example, when we call something a business trip, um, we have algorithms that look at it and say, well, if you're a single person in the itinerary, you don't check a bag, um, you're not staying Saturday night, you're going to New York, high probability you're for business. And we can ask you that and people right. can, can, can um, correlate. Um, and so that was very much the case. But along the way through the pandemic, the, 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 I'd say a couple of strange things happened. Um, the, the first that got our attention was it was March of 2020 and we lost 90% of our revenue. But that's not what got our attention. 
what got our attention was that we kept 10%. It's March of 2020, who was traveling? Because whoever that was, like, and what we said is like, like, let's just think about this different. Forget about everything that happened before it. What if actually this is almost like adopting a new technology? What if these are all the early adopters that we see? Mm. Who are they and what utility do they see in this product? And as they started coming back, what we found was then the second thing, which was really this, this blended trip, was that these customers who were traveling would travel with one person in the PNR, uh, the, 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 the reservation. Um, there wouldn't be a checked bag. They would be traveling in the middle of the week, but they were going to Bozeman, Montana. And so there would be some things in the algorithms that would just be off. And though people would grade themselves as business or leisure, it made us realize the next thing, which is the only way that we have ever given a customer a choice is business or leisure. Mm -hmm. Which took us to the third thing, which really is, if you go back and look at the history of airlines, like business and leisure is, is itself kind of a, 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 a nomenclature thing. Really, if you think about the airlines in a bygone time, the 60s, the 70s, um, we had this really fundamental product, right? A fundamental problem. We had an infinite number of SKUs. You could sell any number of airline seats, an infinite number of customers, but there was no internet. Right. How do you distribute your product? And the way we simplified the problem was that we shipped the lowest fare or the fastest schedule. And if you bought the one, we called you leisure. If you bought the other, we called you business. But along the way, we built the entirety of our operations and our means of thinking around two different transactions. But this was kind of the third realization. None of the business and leisure are a transaction. It's not a customer. And what we were actually finding was that what customers were doing along the way was indeed, um, it, the, the, the last of our realizations was not so much, oh my goodness, 50% of our trips are blended, but in a bygone time, 25% of our trips were blended. We just never realized never that. Realized and as we started unpacking this, we find that with those blended trips, um, a disproportionate amount of it are actually people who are traveling for um, what they would call, their primary purpose is actually a leisure trip. Like, I'm going to Bozeman, Montana, for what I consider to be personal pleasure. I am choosing that. However, while I'm there, I'm gonna take conference calls on a Friday, I'm gonna hike Saturday and Sunday, whatever the case might be. What the pandemic really unlocked and the recovery from it is something that you've rightly pointed out, which is the great merging, right? That, that people don't have to keep a work life for five days and a personal life for two days and have carve out two weeks a year for vacations. Um, and we keep seeing that uh, as we, you know, we were, we had some, um, uh, you know, we were, we were really curious what would happen after the middle of August when people started resuming school right. and after Labor Day when we thought that normally this is when, when Things what we off. called, yeah, what we would call business travel would come back and people would stop taking trips to Orlando. Indeed, what we've seen is blended trips continue to grow. It, it, um, there probably isn't, there's a lot of, of um, traditional business trips that don't come back, but we are seeing more blended style business trips, more blended style leisure trips, and indeed more people are still traveling for leisure than, than ever before in September. And these are people potentially who are, who can work from anywhere? Who, who are mobile, who are any number of things. You know, it, the other thing that, that's quite striking about it, right, and it's, it, it's interesting, but um, when we look at those, those blended trips, though we call them trips, like we, we spend a lot of time in the last, let's call it year or so, really studying the customers who, who are behind them. And disproportionately, the customers who tend to be in blended trips 
are more likely to work at a, at a business where there's 100 or fewer employees than right. one of the Media major Fortune 500, you know, and, and a lot of, and this may be more unique to aviation than a number of the, the businesses represented here, but a lot of how aviation has thought about this thing called like schedule sensitive or business type travel is that we see the Fortune 500 of companies and think that's everything, but actually, I mean, just be practical about it, right? There's probably a few trillion dollars of economic output in, in the United States of America alone from company, companies, companies that are 100, 100 yeah, and sure. fewer people. Well, for those 100 and fewer people, if you want to run a growth company, I imagine many people in this room are like that. If you want to hire somebody talented and they're based in Oklahoma City, they may not be very compelled to move to New York City. Right. So the reality is for a big chunk of the economy, the great merging is the way things are. the way things are. So in terms of, and you also talked about the yield. So for those of you who don't know yield, explain what yield is. Oh yeah, um, it, it's basically the, the average fare someone pays. And so that has also changed with the pandemic. So the blended trip is, is potentially bringing in, I think 70, 80% of the yield or something like that. It, well, yeah, and in some cases, per, perhaps even more. The, you know, what we, what we found, right, again, it, it, a lot of it was just this, this very simple bifurcation we had. You know, we, we, we could recognize um, transactions we call that customers, and I, it, you know, the, the, maybe the simple way to think of it is like this. Um, we we realized this along the way in the pandemic. You know, um, business style travel, big corporates weren't coming back, but we we would look out and we would realize that in a, like let's say company X, Fortune 100 company X Y Z, um, they were zero percent back to travel, but 75 percent of their travelers before were out there taking trips. <laughs> And they had status and things like that. And what we realized, we had this, this one customer complaint, who, which was actually very transformative to us. And this person said, look, um, I bought a basic economy ticket, basically the, the, the lowest fare on the, on the airline. Um, when I used to travel three times a week for business, you treated me like a king. Um, I earned executive platinum, the highest level of loyalty. But now I'm flying on this basic economy ticket with my family to Las Vegas. And I'm not treated that way, but this is the most important trip for me. And so again, th think about it through the lens of the customer. For the customer, the thing when they were traveling on these schedule-sensitive trips, it was usually because their employer was asking them to go do it. Wake up at 5 a.m. in New York, go fly to Chicago, fly back that night. The thing that they really value doing was going and redeeming miles to go fly the whole family to Hawaii or something like that. We built our business to go and try to um, reward people and make it easy when they did actually the thing they were least excited about doing in some cases. Of course. And we made it harder to do the thing they were most excited about doing. So I, I, I mention that because what we find in these blended trips is actually um, a, a lot of them can tend to start as a leisure trip. And um, what we find is that, for example, many, 70% of the people who shop for the lowest fare on our website, and we would have historically called them leisure, actually buy something more expensive than the cheapest fare. But it's not because there's some like airline machinery to go and try to get them to buy more. It's because they start shopping and they realize they can earn more miles if they buy a higher fare, and they value that. Or um, they can get a seat assignment. They can sell themselves up to first class. Our largest premium sales channel is the dot-com. 75% of all of our first class and main cabin extra seats are sold on dot-com. On it, a lot of it is that when you look at it through the lens of the customer, you realize with these blended trips, 
or even with these leisure trips, they're not all the same and they're not all low paying. Um, indeed, there's a lot of things that these customers want where their yields can very much be um, 90 to 100 percent, their, their average fares could be 90 to 100 percent of what a typical business fare might be. And profitability is higher because the marketing channels are lower cost? That, that's true. The, it, the, it's a lower cost of sale, but very importantly, um, it's also a greater lifetime value in the customer. That people who are on a blended trip are more likely to enroll in the loyalty program. They're more likely to have our credit card. They're more likely to want to be engaged with, with the company. Um, and we find very often that the only really good sales channel that we have for fulfilling the, the blended trip is the direct, is, is dot com right. or, or, or mobile, right? Which is the whole point that airlines have been trying to do for the last many years is direct, direct, direct. Yeah, and, and, and in many ways, maybe it wasn't as hard as we all thought because actually customers wanted there to be more options than just a cheap fare or a fast schedule, but they want to have some means where they can compare your options against a low fare or a fast schedule. That's much easier on your dot com. And have you had to rethink the product itself in terms of, like the, there's the whole, I forget what the term is, net is probably here somewhere. Um, premium leisure, what's it called? Premium mediocre, what's the term of? Premium leisure? Yeah. Well, um, it, so look, uh, along the way, the aviation um, business has probably had any number of ways of going and naming it. We had a thing called premium leisure, which is um, somebody who is flying on what would be a, the cheapest possible price, but they're buying premium. Um, you know, I, I think for, for us, we would, uh, um, I, I, we increasingly see ourselves growing out of these, these, these kind of old definitions of leisure, business, premium, leisure. Right. There's, there's a lot of flavors which are really oriented around the customer. And really what we find is that, um, yeah, in, indeed, there's a ton of customers where if they are able to simply understand what it is that you're selling, they're more likely to buy it. You know, there's a stretch of time in the pandemic. Um, we flew nothing but our biggest jets, our 777s in Miami to Los Angeles. So every, every flight that we had, we had seven of them a day, um, 45 life flat premium seats. And we ran this test where um, on our website, we actually could show you that it was a life flat seat. And the take rate was so high on it. Um, actually, we did, we did better selling the, the premium cabin in Miami, LA than we'd ever done flying That's because of Miami and LA, probably. A, a big part of it was Miami and LA. But in a prior time when we didn't have it and we couldn't show a customer, we've been in Miami, LA since the airline was born, right? right? But we would have never guessed there was demand for a flatbed seat um, yeah. at a premium to what everybody else in the marketplace was selling it at. And it wasn't because we hadn't put a flat bed in there. It's because we never actually told everybody. And we never made it easier for a customer who was now suddenly more willing to go by to do it. And so we, we, we find more and more cases of that. So um, no, the, the, this blended thing is a real thing. And we think that um, if there's anything that has, we say this a lot, I've said it a lot publicly, you know, and the pandemic people taught people a lot of things, but if there's anything that they learned, um, it is that you can, you, know, you can replace going out with eating in and work from the office with work from home, but you can't replace other people. Um, and the beauty of travel is travel is about connecting other people. And very often the most constrained asset in travel is the, the airline seat. And so um, when you look at it through the lens of where we are today, the, the great merging, assume that the world started now, um, it's actually a really exciting time in the world of travel. Um, and True. Can, can create some real interesting possibilities for us. So um, moving off um, the great merging, uh, you have been also been talking about Americans' pivot, I'm guessing that's not the word you're using, to being a, a domestic airline. Like you want to be 
you are the biggest domestic airline. So, um, so talk about that and sort of how you're thinking about international versus domestic now as a company as you sit here. Sure, I, I, would, I would actually characterize it slightly different, which is this, that um, American Airlines markets and sells the largest global network in the world. Um, and if you're a member of the Advantage program, you are a member of the world's largest and best travel rewards program. Not only can you earn on American Airlines or JetBlue or British Airways or Qatar, you can redeem at really attractive rates across all of them, better than what you can get through any other credit card program that might, might be there. That American Airlines does everything. But American Airlines also runs an airline, happened to be called American Airlines too. Um, and that thing has a disproportionate, 65% of where that airline flies is in North America. Um, and realistically, it's gonna always probably have about 65% of its capacity in North America. But that doesn't mean that American Airlines, like we use our partnerships with BA, with um, British Airways, with um, Qatar, with Japan Airlines to go and offer the world's biggest international network. But increasingly where we choose to go and fly our flights, um, we'll realistically probably be a lot more heavy in the domestic system and probably will be for a while um, due to nothing other than the fact that right now, is, like, right now the North American demand base has recovered at a far greater rate than the rest of the world. Right. Um, and indeed, even though it has recovered, it's recovered a whole lot more in um, short haul markets than it has for, you know, seven day business trips to China, for example. So, uh, and China, you're, the, I'm guessing, certainly not anywhere near what it used to be. Yeah, well, well, no, nobody even has, has the, the, the rights to even go and operate a, their old schedules there. And so, no, it, no, it's not. And look, it's probably a while before really a lot of, um, you know, in, in times past in the Trans-Pacific Network, 50% of our revenues came from um, uh, the business class cabin and, and, and like true um, large Fortune 100s flying it. Uh, and it's gonna be a while before that. Let's, go. Let's do some quick questions. So Peter is asking, in a world of blended or merged trips, what is the place, is, is there a place for the Saturday stay rule to price a business trip? Well, Peter, you're in great luck because the Saturday stay rule, I think exists in maybe less than 1% of all markets in the, the, the system and probably has been that way for, for the better part of um, 20 or 25 months now. Um, but that said, um, look, the, the Saturday stay, stay rule is a, is a great example of it, that so much of what the airlines um, have done, certainly what our airline had done over the years is we could go and send to the world in a pre-internet time a low fare or um, or a fast schedule, and that created a fence. It created a natural segmentation. And whether it was a Saturday night stay or everything, like so much of the airlines for maybe 40 or 50 years was galvanizing that segmentation and trying to keep it. Um, and so in a lot of ways, if you look at it through that traditional lens, um, and if you think about the world as trying to recover back to something in 2019, the great merging is a huge threat. People aren't in the office, the world is changing. There's no Saturday night stays anymore. If you see it as the start of an opportunity where indeed um, the world has changed and these blended trips are now, there's a bunch of people who have a range of trip purposes and now technology and travel technology is in a place where it can contemplate what- So speaking of travel tech, this is the last question. Taimur well, is saying maybe we can call it proper segmentation, but how to leave the 1960s tech stack 
What's your take on one order? Oh, Tamur, this take is going to take a lot more than the, the two minutes and two seconds I've got left to give you this, this answer. Um, but no, we're really excited on, on the future of what order management is, because so many of the, the fundamental consumer technology so problems. Tamur works for Lufthansa, so he's also... Oh, oh so it's a rigged question. Ah, no, it's not a rigged question, but um, I just happened to know that he was... Yeah, no, 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 well, 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 well done. I, I, I would probably agree with what Tamur can answer his own question then. Um, but... Uh, no, so much for, for everybody who isn't familiar with the airlines, so much of our infrastructure for consumers is based in a world prior to the internet when having a, you know, unlimited SKUs and unlimited customers was a really complicated technological problem. It's now something which any of your phones can go and solve. So um, we are very excited for any technological progression in, in the business and um, are keen to lead it. How's your new campus working out? Uh, great, great. I, I, I was I was mentioning some people backstage. We're very fortunate that you know we're over fifty percent back to the office, which which is important for us because again, um, our business exists to connect people, and it starts by actually connecting our own um, employees. But we're, we're very fortunate because so many of them actually see the utility in that. Um, we haven't had to go and and, and put too many policies in, in place, and um, a big part of it is the fact that we have a new campus in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I think some of you have been there. If you haven't. Um, well, consider this an invitation, but, but don't tell anybody I was the one who invited you. That may get me in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, let's do one quick question. Is there, will the party on leisure trips, is it just a fad that fades when the economy slows? We've been waiting for 20 to 25 months for this fad to fade. We, we, we keep waiting for it to fade. Actually, it stays stronger. The best example of this probably is maybe this stat. Um, in June of 2020, um, airline revenues were like 20 to 25 percent of their historical level, but spending on our credit cards, our, our co-branded credit cards with with um, City primarily, uh, never fell below about 70 percent of their historical levels. Um, indeed, what we found is that through the pandemic, customers more than ever wanted to go and earn miles. We've set records for for enrollments. All of those records, like the, the single biggest predictor is did you fly on something that looked like a blended trip? Um, so it, it is actually proving to become an increasingly big predictor of um, who are actually our most profitable customers are. Um, and it doesn't seem to be fading out at any point along the way that we look out there. In fact, we, we think that being able to do things, to, I mean, look, things as simple as you leave work on a Thursday night to go somewhere, visit your grandmother, you spend Friday taking calls and you're with her all weekend. Um, that's a blended trip, and that's a thing which has made possible now than exist before. So more is coming. Thank you, Vasu. Our zero zero point zero zero. So our time is over. We nailed it. We nailed it. All right. All right. Thank you. Hey. Appreciate thanks. It. Be well, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge Podcast. Check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.